you should have ordered more toilet paper. <laughs> well, you should have paid attention to those warnings. Well, you should have self-quarantined. When we tell people what they should have done, even if we're right, we are coming across as a critic and they will resent us because they're losing face. Now, what do we say when something goes wrong or people make mistakes over on the right? From now on, in the future. From now on, pay attention to the news, you know, and social distance or physically distance. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Mind Valley audience, welcome back to the Mind Valley podcast. This is Vishen Lakiani, recording in some pretty interesting circumstances. With me on the line right now is Sam Horn, author of the book Tung Fu and the book Pop. These are two incredible books. I just finished reading Pop. And I'll tell you about Sam in a moment and why she's going to be such a remarkable guest on today's podcast. But first, just want to acknowledge the situation at hand. Sam, where are you in the world right now? I'm in Boulder, Colorado, looking out at Wonderland Lake. Awesome. And I'm in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And we're in two completely different corners of the world. And we are both going through, you know, very similar circumstances with the lockdown, with what's going on, the uncertainty, the risk. I was getting messages from my friends in LA last week about how frustrated they were, about how confused things were. And it seemed that the US was in disarray. And here in Malaysia, everything seemed fine. And then all of a sudden, two days ago, we received notice that we had to shut down everything. That there was a no movement order in place because apparently there was a huge surge in COVID infections in a span of like a week. We went from something like 50 cases to today I checked 700 cases for a small country that's pretty darn bad. So I'm stuck at home. Kids schools are closed. The Mind Valley office is closed. Everyone is working from home. And it's just been a very interesting dynamic. So for those of you listening, I know many of you are in similar situations. It's a confusing time. It's a stressful time. It's a difficult time. It's a time when it's challenging to get toilet paper and the basic necessities that we sometimes take for granted. And so with that, I wanted to bring Sam Horn onto the podcast. Now, I met Sam recently, about a few months back, at a conference in Panama. And Sam blew me away with her wit, with her intelligence, with her ideas. I immediately picked up her book, Pop, which is a remarkable book on how to create the perfect pitch title and tagline for anything. But today we're not going to talk about Pop, although I would definitely recommend that book if you're in any field of marketing. Rather, we're going to talk about the book Tung Fu, how to deflect, disarm, and diffuse any verbal conflict. Now, why is Tung Fu interesting? Well, we've seen that as this situation in the world has progressed, so many of us, especially those of us in leadership positions, are in these situations where we have to keep people comfortable. We have to deal with fears. We have to be authentic and positive, yet real. We've seen so many leaders stumble on television. I've had so many fellow CEOs tell me about how tough it was speaking to their teams about pending layoffs and other difficult situations businesses are in. And Sam is really an expert at the art of conversation, of knowing 
how to use words to diffuse any tricky situation, but also knowing how to use words to inspire, to heal, to bring people together. And that's the essence of Kung Fu. So Sam, welcome to the Mind Valley podcast. Thanks so much, Vishen. I've really been looking forward to sharing some ideas people can use today. And so what we're going to talk about today, well, Sam, why don't you put it in your words? Because we were just talking about this before we hit the record button. What would you say are some of the key ideas that we'll be discussing today that would be so relevant to the situation at hand? Vision, I really hope that people get some paper and a pen because we are not going to waste time on ivory tower ideas that have no relevance in our world right now. I'm going to share words to lose and words to use you can use if you are a leader, if you are at home with your kids. And these words are going to help instead of hurt. They're going to create cooperation instead of conflict. They're going to treat people with respect instead of causing resentment. So get that paper, and at the end of our interview, post it on your refrigerator, post it above your desk. Keep these words to lose and use insight in mind. It's going to make a world of difference. I love this, and I love how powerfully you brought that on. You are you are freaking powerful, Sam. Let's get started. <laughs> so, Vision, first, a one-minute backstory about Tung Fu, because people may be going, what is Tung Fu? So here's the backstory. I gave a workshop at University of Hawaii about 15 years ago, and this was on dealing with difficult people without becoming one yourself. Now, at our first break, there was a gentleman in the front row. He didn't even get up to get a cup of coffee or some fresh air. He just sat there gazing off into space. Now, I was curious, and I went over, and I said, what are you thinking about? And he said, I'm a real estate broker. He said, I deal with some very demanding and angry people. They seem to think they can treat me any way they want to. I'm tired of it. He said, I thought you were going to teach us some zingers to fire back at people and put them in their place. That's not what this is about. And I assured him that that's not what it was about. And he was the one who said, I'm a student of martial arts. I studied karate, taekwondo, judo. This is like a verbal form of kung fu, isn't it? I said, Eureka, you're right. It's kind of like a tongue fu. And that's what we're going to be talking about. This is martial arts for the mind and mouth. Now get a piece of paper and put a vertical line down the center of the paper. And on top of the left-hand column, put words to lose. Underneath that, put resentment because these words to lose cause resentment. And underneath that, put conflict. These words to lose cause conflict. Now on the top of the right-hand column, Put words to use. Now, these words actually create cooperation instead of conflict, and they treat people with respect so they don't resent us. And now I'm ready to jump into those words when you are, Vision. I am all set, Sam. Let's get started. Good. Okay, we're going to have six of these. And now how this works is I tell a little real-life story. Listen for the word that's doing all the damage that would cause resentment in you or that would create a conflict. So 30 second story. I'm renting a car. A person comes up next to me, says, I've got a 40 con line van and my name is Mrs. Robinson. And the employee looked it up and said, oh, yes, we have your reservation, but we don't have any Ford vans left. How can that be? I called weeks ago to reserve that kind of van. Well, I know that you do, but we have a new staff member on this morning and back and forth they went. In fact, Mission, when I left, they were still arguing and it was because the employee kept using a word. And when we use this word, 
people will get louder and angrier because they feel we're not listening. What's the word? It's but. Put but on your left. Now listen to it. Well, I know you're worried about the coronavirus, but there's nothing we can do about it. It's like, well, I understand you've got bills to pay, but do you hear how when we use the word but, it creates an either or right wrong conversation? Yes, and it makes the other people feel that they are in the wrong. You are so right. <laughs> it puts people in the wrong. So what do we put on the left? Put but on your left. Now, words to use on the right is the word and. I hear what you're saying, and let's sit down and figure out what we can do about it. You're right. You do have to pay bills. So let's get creative and figure out the word and connects what people are saying. In fact, it advances the conversation instead of anchoring it in an argument. Now, the 30-second story, I will always remember a woman in a program who went like this. And she said, Sam. I'm an English teacher. I've been teaching for 25 years that but is a conjunction. She says, it doesn't join sentences. It creates an argument. Well, you would have gotten an A on your test, but you didn't see the problem on the back of the page. I know you're looking forward to the bus trip, but she said, do you know what I realized? I've been teaching English. I haven't been teaching communication. We're about to learn right now how we can communicate in these challenging times. This is what we wish we'd been taught back in school with math and science and history. Ready for the second word? Yes. Okay, 60-second story. friend of mine is a football coach. This is a very dramatic situation. They're playing the team for the Island Championship. Fourth quarter, score is tied. Their quarterback throws a perfect pass. Their best receiver, who is his son, is racing down the sidelines. Here comes the ball. He does something he's been told a hundred times never to do, takes his eyes off the ball. <laughs> he is dejected. The ball goes right through his hands on the ground. And my friend, the coach, is so caught up in the emotion of the game without really thinking about it. He yells at his son, Johnny, you should have kept your eyes on that ball. He said, my gosh, it was a touchdown pass. You had the game in your hands. And he kept yelling at his son. And finally, his son didn't take it anymore. He stood up. He said, Dad, it was a mistake. He said, I didn't mean to do it. I never want to play for you again. And he got a ride home with someone. And when he got home, he went right upstairs and he wouldn't even talk to his dad. And my friend called me in the morning. He said, Sam, I know what I said just made things worse. What are we supposed to say when people make stupid mistakes? I said, Charlie, do you know anyone who can undo the past? If something goes wrong and we tell them what they should have done, put that word should over on the left, people will resent us even if what we're saying is right because they can't do anything about it. In fact, underneath that word should, well, you should have ordered more toilet paper. <laughs> well, you should have paid attention to those warnings. Well, you should have self-quarantined. When we tell people what they should have done, even if we're right, we are coming across as a critic and they will resent us because they're losing face. Now, what do we say when something goes wrong or people make mistakes over on the right? From now on, in the future. From now on, pay attention to the news, you know, and social distance or physically distance. Next time in the future, now we're being a coach instead of a critic. People are learning from their mistakes 
instead of losing face over their mistakes. Now, I know many people are home and they're trying to work and they're trying to take care of their family and things are going to go wrong. You should have been more careful. You should have listened. You should have. That word should is going to be right here. It doesn't help. Next time, from now on in the future, now we're shaping instead of shaming it. Awesome. Thank you. That's so, so, so useful. It's, I think, Vision, one of the reasons that Tung Fu's been sold around the world in 17 languages is I don't care what language we speak in, is that often we say things and they actually make the situation worse. That wasn't our intention. No one ever told us these words to do all the damage, right? Right. It's, it's fascinating how the human mind responds to words. I was just reading something about how the English language can be so limiting sometimes. Like, for example, in English, we have one word for anger. In Russian, there are two words for anger. There's a, a word for anger for, say, you know, you're angry at politics. And another one is a word where you're angry at someone. And recently, there was a situation in my office where we use an office communication tool called Slack. And someone had gone on Slack and said, I'm really frustrated with this thing, with finance division. And he got chastised for publicly criticizing the person. But he didn't actually criticize the person. He criticized a process. And I explained to my English speakers that really there are two types of anger. You can be angry at a person and, you know, saying that publicly is wrong. But you can be angry at a process because the process is slowing down a company. It's slowing down us serving our customer. And that you always want to elevate. And there is nothing wrong with being angry at a broken process. And so it was just interesting how the choice of words, even in different languages, influence how we perceive situations. Vision, you are so right. We can add underneath that word, should the word punish, because if something goes wrong, we can punish it. Or just as you talked about on the right, we can be proactive. And proactive is talking about how we can do it right in the future, how we can prevent that from happening again what we can do to get back in touch with that customer now and apologize for what went wrong and make it right. Once again, those words on the right are proactive. The words on the left punish. The words on the right help. The words on the left hurt. Mm -hmm. So let's go on to the next word. Okay. Next word is you'll have to. In fact, I had an opportunity to do a program for Kaiser Permanente, a big healthcare organization. And after giving the Tung Fu workshop, I went back about a year later the receptionist saw me come in and she kind of beckoned me over and then she pointed and a year later, she still had the words to lose and the words to use posted underneath her reception desk where she could see them. And she said, Sam, I use all those words all the time. She says, I try and be courteous. And so often people are rude to me and I was wondering what's going on. I realized I use those words you have to. Well, you'll have to talk to the doctor about that. Well, you'll need to check with the nurse. Well, you'll need to go to section G and you'll need to get your lab and then you need to take it to the doctor. She says, I am ordering people around all the time. Do you know anyone who likes to be ordered around? So on the left, put those words, you'll need to, or you have to. Because when we say, well, you have to understand, or well, you'll need to wait. Like right now, once again, a lot of people are working and kids want their attention at home. Well, you need to wait. I'm busy right now. Even if it's true, our child is going to resent us. So what can we do to treat people with courtesy instead of giving commands? Over on the right, put the words, if you would, or could you please? 
instead of you'll have to wait, can you wait five minutes and I'll be off this phone call and then we can go ahead and talk. Instead of you need to do this first because this is really important. Could you please do this first? It's really important. We're asking, treating people with courtesy. If you would, could you please, instead of giving commands and they're thinking you're not the boss of me. You know, it's so funny. This thing would, right? It reminds me of a mutual friend, John Gray, in his first book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And I know you're friends with John because I see he wrote a blurb on the cover of your book, Tung right? Fu. I remember there was an interesting story in Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And he spoke about how women should not be telling men, could you, but they should say, would you? Because the way men perceive these words are so different. For example, could you take out the garbage? Tends to like prick a man. It almost sounds like he is being chastised for not being aware that the garbage bin might be filling out or that he's being chastised for not being uh, considerate. But when a woman says, would you take out the garbage? It makes the man feel like a hero, like he's there to help. It was really interesting. And when I read that, I realized that it was so true. Vision, you are talking about how when we're in close quarters, and a lot of us are going to be in close quarters here for a while, it is more important than ever to be mindful instead of mindless. We're on Mind Valley, and we're talking about how to be mindful because tempers are going to fray. People are going to be stressed out, and that's when we say what's on the tip of our tongue. I'm suggesting we don't say what's on the tip of our tongue because that makes it worse almost always, is that we be a little bit more mindful, and we use tongue food, like you said, to use different words that actually motivate the other person to respond in kind. Listen to that. Respond in kind. Powerful words, huh? Respond in kind. I love that idea. Fantastic. Okay. We ready for the next one? Yes. Over on the left, put the words can't because. Can I go ahead and fix dinner? Well, no, you can't because, you know, we've got to get this finished first. Is Can I go ahead and talk with my friends? Well, no, you can't because you are supposed to do this. When we tell people can't because, they feel like a verbal door is slamming in their face, whether it's I can't do this because or you can't do this because. Once again, that verbal door slamming in their face. Guess what we put on the right? Yes, you can as soon as or yes, we can right after. For example, there was a woman in one of my Tung Fu workshops and she put her hand up. She said, Sam, I'm a single mom. I've got three kids under the age of 10. This is going to change the way I parent because I'm constantly telling them, no, no, you can't play with your friends because you haven't done your chores. No, you can't watch TV because you haven't done your homework. And then she usually does what's called stacking. You know the rules around here. That TV doesn't go on until those chores are finished. How many times do I have to tell you, when are you going to start listening to me? And we're off and running. Now, she was the one who said, when I tell them they can't do something, they see me as the big meanie. When I say, yes, you can play with your friends, you know, as soon as you do your chores, pick up your room, take out the trash, then you can go out and shoot hoops, you know, or yes, you can watch TV right after you do your homework. Go ahead and do your math. Let me have a look at it. Then you can. Do you see the whole dynamic changes when we tell people what they can't? When we tell people what they can as soon as or right after, it moves the whole conversation forward 
instead of anchoring it in that argument. Absolutely. I like that. So it's can't because versus yes, you can as soon as. Mm -hmm. Or right after. That's right. Let's go on to the fifth word. Okay. The next one is I was dealing with a hotel in Hawaii. And they, once again, they were talking about all the issues they had at the front desk. And one of them is a lot of times people would get on a plane on the East Coast and then fly for 12 hours and they would arrive at 10 in the morning and check in isn't until three in the afternoon. And then they would say, well, there's nothing we can do. We don't have any rooms available. Well, there's nothing we can do. You know, we're 100% booked. And when we tell people there's nothing we can do, please put those words down on the left. There's nothing we can do. It's not our fault. Don't blame me. There's no way I can change it. People feel we don't care. And that's when they're likely to get louder and in our face in an effort to make us care. Guess what we put over on the right? I wish or there's something. Instead of there's nothing, there's something. And instead of there's no way, I wish. There's two really poignant examples here, Vision. It's one is there was a woman and she said, I can't wait to get home tonight. And I said, why? She said, my daughter came home last night from school. She came in the kitchen. She grabbed me around the waist. She twirled me around. She said, mom, I got it. I got it. And she said, what? She said, I got the lead in my high school play. She said, get out your calendar. Put that Friday night on the calendar. I want you there in the front row. And this woman said with a feeling of dread, she got out her calendar and she looked at it. She said, honey, I can't be there. I've got a conference out of town. I'm leaving on Thursday. I'm not even coming back until Monday night. And her daughter said, mom, you travel all the time. You miss so many of my events. Can't you make an exception this once? And this woman said she just stayed stuck over there in the left-hand column. Honey, there's no way I can be there. This has been scheduled for months. Mom, isn't there someone you can get to take your place? Honey, there's no one who knows the system the way they She said, my daughter left the room in tears. She said, when I get home tonight, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to say, I wish I could be there in the front row because I am so proud of you and I would love to share this with you. There's something we can do. Can we ask someone to videotape that play? So when I get home on Monday night, we can sit down on the couch together and you can talk me through your performance. You know, Vision, we're in times where there's not a lot about what we can do. If we say, hey, there's nothing I can do. There's no way I can change it. It's not my fault. People conclude we don't care. I wish there were more we can do. Hey, there's something we can talk about. And it moves us once again to being proactive and pragmatic and positive in the situation instead of just shrugging our shoulders, saying, not my fault. Your thoughts? Mm, I love that. I love that. You know what? As I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, I really need to make everybody who works at customer support at Mind Valley read this. And we have a really positive team. We have amazing customer support agent ratings, but these are so powerful. I'm thinking even in terms of how you compose emails, right? Because I can think of so many times I've been at a hotel reception or at an airline counter, and I've heard these words. You'll have to, can't because, nothing we can do. But, I mean, literally four out of five I've heard from customer support agents of companies that I really don't like dealing with. And so I can see how this can be so valuable 
if you're an entrepreneur and you want to have a really great relationship with your customers. Vishen, you just said it. I think it's one of the reasons that I've been hired by Boeing and Intel and Cisco and the U.S. Navy and Army and Air Force to teach their employees and team members these is because we were not taught these in school and it really makes a difference. In fact, can I reference something you just said with another word to lose, word to use? Yes. You want to know what to do when people complain? So over on the left, put complain. Mm -hmm. Don't explain. Because we think when something goes wrong and we explain why it wasn't done right or on time or that way, that people will forgive us. Guess what? They get angrier because explanations come across as excuses. It's when someone says, hey, you were supposed to call me at nine o'clock. Oh, I know things are crazy. It's like we think we explain, right? And then people go, oh, I get it. You're forgiven. No, they think we're not being accountable. So when people complain, don't explain over on the right. Take the A train. A for agree. A for apologize. A for act. A for agree. You're right. I was supposed to call you at nine o'clock. A for apologize. And I'm sorry I didn't call you when I was supposed to. A for act. I've got that information you had requested. Let's hit the ground running. Make the most of our time together. I love that. This is so, so, so useful. And let's talk about impersonal relationships, because there was a man who had one of those dope moments. He went, oh, I wish I'd known this on Friday. I said, what happened? He said, I was going to take my wife out for dinner and a movie. He said, I live out in the suburbs and work there. And so she works downtown. So I left at five. Should have been plenty of time to get her at six. You know what happened. It's gridlock. He said, I couldn't even get off the freeway. My cell phone had died. No more battery. I couldn't call her. Everyone around me just turned off her engines. We just sat there until they could clear off the accident that had stopped traffic. He said it was almost seven o'clock by the time I got downtown. He said from a block away, I could see my wife on the curb pacing up and down. He said, I pulled up. She yanked that carter open. She said, you were supposed to be here an hour ago. He said, don't blame me. I've been stuck in traffic all this time. He said, how was I supposed to know that? She said, I didn't know if you were in some ditch somewhere. He said, get off my case. It wasn't back and forth. They went and ruined their evening. He said, Sam, if I had known this, when I pulled up and she yanked that carter open and said, you were supposed to be here an hour ago, I would have said, you're right. I was supposed to be here an hour ago. And I'm sorry you ended up waiting so long. And in the future, if I'm going to try and pick you up on a Friday night, I'm building in a cushion for Murphy's Law. I'll always remember there was a guy in the audience and he put his hand up and he said, why should he apologize? He didn't do anything wrong. And I said, have you ever heard the saying, we can be right or we can be happy? <laughs> I think we could apologize even when it's not our fault. And it doesn't mean we were responsible for what happened. It simply means we're putting ourselves in the other person's shoes and we're empathizing with what it was like for them to be pacing up and down for an hour. And believe me, once again, that A train erases complaints instead of aggravating them. Mm, totally agree. Now, what's the final word, Sam? The word is there was a gentleman, actually the woman came up to me at a Tung Fu workshop and she said, can we talk about this word? It really causes a lot of problems. 
And I said, sure, what's the word? And she said, no, that's the word. I said, no, what's the word that causes the problems? It sounds like who's on first. (laughs) And she finally said, the word problem. She said, we run a flower shop. She said, everything is a problem with my husband. One of our employees will come up and say, can I talk to you about something? Guess what he says? Sure. What's the problem? We'll have a morning meeting, you know, and at the end of it, he'll wrap it up by saying, any other problems we need to talk about? If someone doesn't ask, can I go ahead and deliver those wedding flowers or something like that? Sure, I don't have a problem with that. Yesterday, one of our team members gave him a compliment. Boy, you really put a lot of time and effort in on that. Guess what he said? No problem. Please put that word problem over on the left. It causes so many problems. (laughs) Why? People feel that the word problem means something's wrong. And many of us use the word habitually and unintentionally, and we are giving people the impression something is wrong or they are wrong, even when it's not. So now what do we put over on the right? Any word that doesn't give the wrong impression. So if someone says, can I talk to you about something? Sure. What's on your mind? What would you like to talk about? Instead of wrapping up meetings by saying any other problems we need to talk about, what else do we need to discuss? Anything else we need to bring up before we close this meeting? If someone makes a request, instead of saying, yeah, I don't have a problem with that, yeah, you're welcome to do that. Please go ahead with that. And I tell you, Vision, if someone gives us a compliment, instead of shrugging it off with no problem, no worries, which means there's nothing wrong with doing that. Thank you. You're welcome. Honor the person giving us the compliment instead of brushing them off. I love that. This was so incredibly useful. And so I want to recap for the audience and also so you can tell me if I did a good job taking notes. So words to lose, words to use. The word to lose is but. The word to use is and. I love that example because I've been in so many brainstorms where someone will toss an idea and someone else will go, but, and what I've learned is that a more respectful way is to go, I like your idea and, right? And here's another way of looking at things. And here's what I would add. And it just makes such a difference in a brainstorm. So I actually had to teach that to members of my team. The second one is replace the word should with next time. The third is replace you will have to, to if you would. The fourth is replace can't because to yes, you can as soon as you. The fifth is nothing we can do to I wish. And the sixth is problem to on your mind. Those are perfect. Fantastic, Sam. So Sam, thank you so much for being here on the Mind Valley podcast. Now, I just want to give a shout out to your book because I just finished Pop, Create the Perfect Pitch, Title and Tagline for Anything. If any of you are in marketing, if you're looking for a name for your product, for your service, for even, you know, I use ideas like what Sam suggested in Pop for concepts in my books, for example, the word drool, right? For bullshit rule that took off like crazy, but it came through the kind of approach you would learn from a book like pop. So I sent pop to everyone who does copywriting at every division in Mind Valley. It's such a good book. The second book and the book we were talking about is called Tung Fu, how to deflect, disarm and diffuse any verbal conflict. It's a remarkable book. Check out Sam Horn, Google her on Amazon and you will find her book. Oh, and uh, Sam, I got to share because this is an interesting little fact. Your son was also on the Mind Valley podcast not long ago, Andrew Horn. He spoke about networking and connecting deeply with people. Yes. 
And your daughter-in-law was also <laughs> on the Mind Valley podcast, Mickey Agrawal. She was a speaker at Mind Valley's AFES. Mickey, last month, she won an award, highest-rated speaker on Mind Valley for all of 2019. Right. So it's like your entire family <laughs> has made it to Mind Valley. Congratulations. Thank you. And kudos to you, Vishen, for the good that you're doing in the world. You are really creating a rising tide, raising all involved platform with all of these thought leaders sharing their expertise for good. So kudos to you. Thank you. And thanks for such a fun, positive, uplifting podcast and something so useful in today, this month, when so many of us are having to have really interesting conversations with the people we work with, with the people we employ, with our families, with our children, with our kids who are outside of school. And I think this is going to be so useful to so many. So thank you, Sam. You're welcome. Onward. Now, for those of you who enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review. Do mention Sam in the review, Sam Horn, H-O-R-N, so we can share those with Sam. And I will see you next week. And if you want to hear more from Mind Valley, don't forget to tune in to our Mind Valley Talks YouTube channel. We've taken all our speeches from all our events since 2010, all our best talks from such incredible visionaries from John Gray to Chip Conley to Mickey Agrawal. They are all free for you to watch on Mind Valley Talks, free on YouTube. And this is a great way to spend your time rather than being on computer games or other things which might be entertaining but not really fuel your mind during this time when we are stuck at home. Mind Valley Talks is a great alternative. So go check it out. Thank you, and I'll see you next week on the Mind Valley Podcast. Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.